morning we're talking about hope. You guys ready for that? We're talking about hope. We as a church are named Hope Chapel. And there is a verse that you cannot live without if you come to this church, if, you go, if you're a Christian in general. But if you go to this church, there's a verse that this church and the whole Hope Chapel movement of churches and whatever has been founded on all those years ago. And it's a verse we're talking about this morning. It's Hebrews 6.19 in your Bibles. And I think we got a cool graphic. We're going to put that up here this morning. If you guys would look at this verse with me, let's read what it says. Look at this. Isn't this a cool picture? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We're going to be talking about hope today and why we as a church why God gave us this name all those years ago, that we're to be a people that have this name and this identity, that we are called to walk in this hope, this confident expectation that God is going to do good things because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, that every day we can walk with hope. It's a different hope than the world understands, but this hope that knows and trusts and expects God to do some amazing things. And, and I want to kind of get you guys in the right frame of mind and the right kind of vibe and the right feeling as to what I'm talking about this morning. So I don't know about you guys, but you guys know that I like to watch movies, right? And I find a lot of parallelism into our spirituality and our lives through movies and symbolism and all of that. And there's some movies that are just like so heavy and so like just classics that everybody knows, just tear jerkers moving the heart of humanity that I, I get inspired by those things. And so I got a clip for you guys this morning, one of those classic movies to show you um, what we're talking about when we talk about hope this morning. You guys ready for a movie clip? Check this one out. I know it's going to be touching. I, I like you, Mary. I like you a lot. <laughs> I want to ask you a question straight out, flat out. I want you to give me the honest answer. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. And we really don't hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. How many of you guys remember that movie, right? One of the classics, right? I love that movie. I love Jim Carrey. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Too bad. I laugh at those dumb and dumber movies. But that is, here's, here's what I want you guys to grasp this morning. You get a million in one shot, and he's going, yes, that's awesome. Jesus himself told us that for us to have the proper perspective of him and faith in him, that we should have that childlike faith, right, that just hopes and just knows that, Jesus is good, so why wouldn't he be good to me, right? And this hope we're talking about this morning is this confident expectation that God is going to do good things in my life. He is going to do them, not maybe, not hopefully, not crossing our fingers, not, um, I don't know, 
but it's actually knowing that God is going to do good things. And when we get into that mindset, we get into that attitude and perspective, everything changes in our life, doesn't it? You can walk around like Lloyd and just be like, yes, that's awesome, right? Because you know that something greater is in store for you. And that's the kind of hope we're talking about. Actually, Psalm 71, verse 14, the New King James Version of the Bible says this, I will hope continually. That means all the time. That not, means not like once in a while when I, when I really need to, but it's like all the time that you were just hoping for something better, that you're believing for something better. I will hope continually, and I'll praise you yet more and more. Um, God has given us this verse as a church, and we're called to be this type of a, a people that live with this hope, this confident expectation that God's going to do good things. And it's supposed to be such a part of us and who we are that we're supposed to overflow with this and we're supposed to be a hope to this world around us, right? That we have something to offer to those in the world, the last, the lost, and the least. And all we have doesn't make us anything better. We're not, it's nothing about us. All of us, we're sinners saved by grace, amen? We're all sinners in need of a savior and yet we found that savior. And because of knowing that savior, Jesus Christ, we now have a hope to offer to other people, amen? So you guys better get excited about hope. We're talking about hope this morning. Who's excited? Come on, get fired up. We're gonna go into this. We're gonna dig because this is such a good concept, this hope, because have you ever felt the opposite of hope? Just hopeless, hopelessness, when it just feels like there's nothing else that could go more wrong in my life right now. I've been in those seasons. I've been dealing with those, those nights in the past where the enemy gets in and lies to you and tries to steal your hope and your joy and your outlook is pretty bleak and you can't sleep and you're just like, what is going on? And yet there's always still that little, little seed of hope that's in there if you're holding on to Jesus Christ and it pulls you up out of it. And what we're talking about is hope can change your whole perspective. But as we look at this verse, and I love this verse, this whole hope is a, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It's just that, that solid imagery. And isn't the, the whole anchor deal like the popular trend right now? around anyway, you know, like you guys see it, like Pinterest or whatever, people's tattoos or, you know, the anchor is such a, it's a, it's a radical symbol. It just means strength. And, and this hope that we have is that in our lives to anchor us. But as we look at this and we look at it in this verse, like Pastor Tom told us the other week, um, if you ever want to get to know the, the reality and the true meaning of one verse, don't just read one verse, but read all around that verse, right? In context, in the Bible. So we're focusing on this verse t- today, this Hebrews 6.19, but we're going to look at how the, the book of Hebrews totally in itself is putting into context this word hope. So there's a couple things I want to give you about this hope, because you read that verse and you go, this hope is a strong anger. Well, first question is, what is this hope? What are you talking about here? So I want to give you guys a few things as we dig into what is this hope that we as Christians are supposed to have, that our church Hope Chapel is supposed to be all about. What is it that we're talking about? And here's the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes or typing into your phone or whatever. Here's the first thing about hope that we're talking about. The actual definition from the Bible, the Greek word here is, was originally written in Greek, elpis, it means confident and joyful expectation of an unseen future. It's confident and joyful expectation of an unseen future. That means you don't know what's going to happen, but there's something inside of you that says, but I know something good is going to happen. It's like this. Um, today is Sunday, and you guys, how many had a great 
Saturday yesterday. You guys have a good Saturday? Just the fact that you're not at work, you should all be raising your hand, right? Like, yes, I don't care. I was doing yard work. I wasn't at my desk, right? It's a good thing to have the weekends. And today, Sunday, I, I walked outside after first service. I'm like, oh my gosh, no one's going to come to church. It's a beach day right now, right? And everybody in here, you're just going, oh man, I can't wait to get in that day. But here's the problem. Tomorrow, Monday morning, you're going to be like me and kind of singing the Monday blues. Amen? Anybody feel that? Like, oh, here we go again, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you're, you're dealing with all that you got to do during the week and getting through the days. Why? Because you're already thinking about, oh, but Friday's coming and the weekend is coming and I don't even know what I got planned, but the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday, it's a good thing, right? You're expecting, you're hopeful, you're excited. And here's, here's the, the qualifiers. You haven't experienced next weekend yet. It's still in the unseen future, but you know that something good is going to happen on the weekend simply because you're not at work, right? So it's the same kind of a deal that this hope that we're talking about here, this confident and joyful expectation is, I don't know what, when, or how it's gonna happen, but because I know my God and he's good and he promises good things, then I can look forward confidently. I can expect that good things are gonna happen, amen? It's like Rachel in the, the video with the, the BMW, right? She's like, you know what? I lost my car, got repossessed. And the whole reason she got the car was people, you guys, from time to time will donate your cars to the church. You know what? I want it to go to someone. I get the tax write-off. I don't need to sell it. I want to bless someone. So we get a lot of car donations. And then what we're able to do as the staff and as the people in the church, we look around for people that are in need and we love to pass on the cars. So what happens is she was waiting for a year. She's got four kids driving them to school, sharing her sister's car. She's got a kid too. They're trying to make everything work. And to the point where she's going, do I trust God or do you not trust God? And her daughter says, hey, are you tithing? Oh, I don't know. Can I do it? And she starts tithing. She learned to tithe, which tithe is saying, I have a hope that God's going to do something good. In spite of the fact that I need to raise money to get a car, I'm willing to pay 10% of my income to God towards his purposes because I have a hope that God's going to come through despite what my circumstances look like in the here and now. Does that make sense? Hope is I'm confidently expecting something in the future good is going to happen because of what I know right now and who Jesus is in my life. And so her daughter, Kayana, which is the one that, that told her, mom, are you tithing? We got to serve God, right? Her daughter told me this, and this is like, a, I go, can I retweet that? That's a good line. She says this, she goes, mom, you know, when you pray and you expect things of God, God doesn't just give the blessing with like, you're thirsty and God gives you milk. God gives you the whole cow, right? And I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down right there, right? She's like, you got to give me credit. I'm like, okay, Kayana, that's your words. Quote you on that one. But it's so cool because she waited with confident expectation for a year, tithing, believing, trusting, and expecting that her God was going to come through. And when he did, he came through in a big way, didn't he? BMW, that's amazing. That's awesome. So this is the confidence that we're talking about today. It's, it's that God... I believe in you and I know good things are going to happen. I don't know how you're going to fix my marriage, but I know it's going to happen. God, I don't know how you're going to get me through school and that load of classes that I have. How am I going to be able to graduate? I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's going to happen. You guys get what I'm talking about today? It's you know it. This is real different from the regular version of the word hope that we have in, in the English language. Here's the second thing about hope. The first thing was it's confident and joyful expectation of the unseen future. The second thing is this hope is better than worldly hope or optimism, okay? 
Worldly hope, when you say I'm hoping for something to happen, is basically you're wanting, wishing, or desiring that good would happen, but there's a good chance that it might not happen, right? I hope I get that raise. I hope this happens. I hope I get that gift for Christmas. It's kind of like, it might not, but I'm hoping on the good side. There's a whole um, deal we, we do with the, the uh, half empty, half full glass of water. You guys know what I'm talking about? The negative person, the pessimist says, oh, that, there's half the water in that. That means, oh, it's half empty. Oh, negative, it's half empty, right? Then the optimistic person, the person that's hoping for good, is like, no, it's half full. That's great, I see the bright side. Here's the difference now in this Christian hope that we are saying we are to be all about. We look at that glass as it's not half full, it's not empty. Our glass in our life is a full to the top glass that is running over in abundance, overflowing. Why? Because we have, think about this. If the worst possible thing could happen to us as Christians, our life is taken away. We still have a hope of eternal life forever and ever in heaven with Jesus face to face. Do we not? Isn't that good? And so we should realize that no matter what happens, I always have more hope than what the, the world's definition of optimism and like, oh, fingers crossed, I hope something good happens. We wake up every day not praying that God, I pray that my day would go good today, but God, I can't wait to see how you're gonna make my life good today. And even if it doesn't turn out to be such a good day, we're still going, oh, then it must be tomorrow that you're gonna do it. It must be tomorrow that we believe that we serve a good God that gives his kids good gifts and he keeps on giving. I will hope continually, it said in that Psalm that we read earlier, okay? So it's, it's a real deeper hope. It's a knowledge and a faith that good is going to happen to me. Here's a third thing about this hope that we're talking about in the scripture here. This is the key right here. This hope comes from faith in Jesus Christ, okay? It is not a hope that can stand on its own. You cannot have a confidence that good things are going to happen unless you understand where the source of that good thing is from. And that's from a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? It's gotta start there. It's gotta start there. As we even look at it in, in the book of Hebrews, it gives us a couple verses. Well, in this Matthew verse I found, it says, his name will be the hope of all the world. It basically says, Jesus equals hope. But in the book of Hebrews itself, in, in chapter 11, verse one, it, said, it talks a little bit about faith. And you guys have heard this verse before, but it talks about faith and hope and how they go hand in hand and why Jesus is the reason that we can actually hope. It says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Okay, this is what you gotta understand. This is real clear, here's a clear picture. Faith, which is my belief in Jesus and knowing that he's real and holding on to my relationship with him is the foundation, the substance, the basis that enables me now to have this hope that God is going to guarantee do good things in my life. Does that make sense? You cannot just have this type of hope that is this crazy confidence that it will happen unless you can base that hope on something. So as we're talking together as a church, you're going, oh, I gotta have that hope to believe in good things. Well, if you're not close to Jesus, if you don't have a, a walk with Jesus Christ, it's pretty hard. It's just, it doesn't happen. So you cannot have this type of hope without first being grounded in the faith in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Here's the problem now. Many of us as Christians, we have the faith, but we don't practice the hope. Here's, here's what I mean, is we can say, God, I believe in you, I believe that you do miracles. I believe that you can answer all the problems. I believe, God, you could fix everything that's broken in my life. You could bring healing to my body. You can provide financial help when I need it. I believe you can do that. 
But our hope level is so low that we're like, but I don't think you want to, or I don't think you will do it. Now your faith isn't gone, but your hope has kind of gotten dialed down. And that's where a lot of us are at. In today's sermon, what we're talking about is let's put the hope back in Hope Chapel. Amen? Let's get the hope dialed back up to where it needs to be to realize that not only do I believe that God can do it, but I got to believe that he will do it. Amen? That we got to have that outlook that says, yes, my God is going to do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it like some shallow thing and some blind faith and I'm just trying to like persuade you guys into believing something dumb like, oh, God's going to do It's this. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. And I'm not going to try to tell him what to do. But bottom line is, I know my God is good. He promised good things and he's going to do it his way, but it is coming right? I never lose hope because God is always going to come through. And so that's the faith that we're talking about this morning, that the faith that leads to this hope. And it says this in Hebrews 6, 19, as we just read and we talked about, um, it's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The next verse in Hebrews says this, um, in verse 20, Jesus has already gone in there for us behind the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. He's become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So you guys are going, what does that mean? What does it mean that here's an inner curtain and there's this inner sanctuary? The book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew Christian to other Hebrews to tell them to stop acting like Hebrews, okay? This is how the book was written. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jews that had found Jesus Christ but they were kind of tempted into going back into their old system, the Old Testament law, priests, sacrifices, all of that whole system where it was about religion. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know what? There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews, if you ever want to get a good understanding of bridging the Old Testament law and how the new system, the new covenant with Jesus Christ is better, Hebrews covers it really, really good. Go home and read it. But this guy's writing to these Jews that understood what the temple was all about. Back in Moses' day, they had a traveling temple in a tent called the tabernacle, right? And that was where people went to worship and the the priests kind of ruled. That was their church. And then in the day he's writing here, there's a temple in Jerusalem. And what happens is you go into the temple and you open the doors and there's this inner room and it's called the holy, the, the holy place, right? Oh, we're in the temple. This is the holy place. But then there was this private room that had this long curtain, this veil that was like the entrance to it where only the high priest, only one person could go. And he could go in there once a year on the day of atonement through the veil, through the, the curtain to the inner sanctuary. The Ark of the Covenant was in there and he would make atonement. He would make sacrifices for himself and for all of God's people. And the idea was, God, I'm coming to you and we're asking that you would forgive us, that we could be made right with you, that we could have a relationship with you. And only one high priest could go behind the inner curtain into the Holy of Holies, they called it. And he could make that offering, that atonement for us. Well, The author of Hebrews is writing to people that understood that, and he goes, oh, let me just tell you this. Jesus is now that high priest that goes in there for us. So for you to have the hope I'm talking about, you got to understand that you don't need to go back to that old system of prophets and priests and angels and the temple and all of that stuff. The whole point in Hebrews is to say, we now have a hope in Jesus Christ that's better than all of that. Jesus is better than prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than angels. He's better than priests. He's better than the religious law relationship with Jesus will enable you to have this hope. Is that good? So here's what I deduce from all of that. Not everybody can have this hope that we're talking about. Only those that have decided to make 
Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and to follow him. And so it's our job to let our friends and family and everybody else in on this hope that we have because it doesn't come naturally. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. People come to me a lot and they're like, oh, pastor, you know, I'm going through hard stuff and I need some hope and can you just pray for me? I go, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you, but you've been reading your Bible? Oh, no, but I just, it's too hard, I don't have time. But if you pray for me, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not the source of hope, sorry. I'll pray for you and I'd love to pray blessings on your life, but you need to go get close to the source. You need to get in your word. You need to be going to church. You need to be praying and calling out to him. You don't have to go through me or anybody else. Jesus is our once and for all high priest. He sacrificed his life so that we can have freedom and access into the inner sanctuary with God himself so that we can live a life of hope. Does that make sense? And so Jesus is the one that has made it all possible. We don't have to think that we need to go through any other system. We have this new system. And here's the fourth thing I want you to catch about this hope that we believe in is that this hope includes all of God's promises. There's a, there's a tendency to read scriptures in the Bible. The book of Hebrews talks about hope, talks about it a lot of times. And a lot of times the context is you have this hope and you know what it's talking to? A hope of heaven when you die, there's an afterlife with Jesus forever. And don't get me wrong, that's awesome. Isn't it to know that? Is it or not? Are you guys, nah, it's cool. I'll take my chances, go to hell. It's no big deal. No, it's a big deal, right? I want to go to heaven and to know that I have that future hope, that's good for me. But this hope that is being talked about in the book of Hebrews is actually more than that. It's better than that. That says, I'm going to heaven someday, praise God, but I also get all the blessings in life now along the way. Is that good? That says you're not just going, well, this hope is good and someday I get to go to heaven, awesome. But you're going, you know what, this hope is so good that it's gonna change my relationship with my kids right now. I can hope that God is gonna do something good in the life of my, my interaction with my family. And God, this hope is so good that we're talking about. It's not just for later on. It's for actually in the here and now lifetime that I'm gonna get a better job. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what you're gonna do, but you're gonna do something in my life. And God, all the things that are falling apart, the blessings and the promises that this hope is based on, it's based upon the here and the right now. So that's a really good thing. But it's the, it's the continual hope that we're talking about. It's, it's not based on just bad circumstances or good circumstances. This hope is who we are. If you look in your notes, the, the first thing I w- want you to write down there is that hope anchors our souls, not just our circumstances. Okay, there's a big difference there. The word soul, it's a Greek word, suke, that basically means our entire being, all of who we are, everything about our life essence. So when we read that verse and we say this hope is an anchor for our souls, we're reading that this hope isn't just something you turn on when you go to church and then turn off during the week and turn on at mini church or whatever. This is something that should be flowing out of us all the time. Because we have faith in Jesus, the natural result is that we are overflowing with hope all the time. It comes out in all the time. Here's what I mean by that. There's times that I, as a pastor, will walk into... um, maybe hospital rooms or funeral parlors or people's houses. And my whole job there is that people are grieving. There's loss, there's been hurt, there's been difficulty. And I'm kind of there to meet and to come in and offer hope, right? And my job is to try, well, can I offer hope? This is a really tough situation. But here's the thing about hope that is from your soul, that it's not affected just by your circumstances. It's who you are as a Christian. There's so many times I walk into those places and I'm the pastor trying to bring the hope. And you know what happens? I get schooled in the hope department. 
I walk in and I'm like, well, I got to cheer these people up. And they're grieving and they're crying. And I come in there and I, I fumble over my words or whatever. I'm just trying to be there, right? And then they just start speaking to me. Oh, it's all, it's good, Carl. Yeah, we're hurting, but you know what? God's in control and he's going to do good things. And he's, and I'm like, wait, no, no, that's my job. You just cry. Let me minister to you. And literally what happens is I just get humbled and schooled and I walk out of there full of hope going, wow, that's all. How did I get that from them? But that's amazing. You know what that is? That's a hope that's an anchor for your soul, your entire being, not based on your circumstances. Circumstances say I should be hurting and crying and giving up and having no hope. But because those people know Jesus Christ, they're feeding hope. They're, they're overflowing with hope even in the midst of the hardest times. Why? Because their hope doesn't come from the circumstance. It's anchored to their soul. In the bad times, the good times, that comes out of them. Do you want that hope? Here's the other side of the coin. Listen to this now. There's times when I meet people, maybe at church or something, and things that they've been praying for forever come true, and they're like, I got the new job, I got the new car, my, my dog came back to me, you know, I got, everything is good, and everything is just rejoicing, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's so good, and then they go, I can't see what, I can't wait to see what God's going to do next, and I go, no, this is good enough, just pace yourself, that's good, just rejoice on that, no, God's going to do something else good too, and I'm like, no, no, don't get your hopes up, you know, here's me, the pastor, right, I'm just going, no, just celebrate this moment, and they're over there going, no, you know what? God always has better things in store for me in the bad times, in the good times, there's still more good to come. That's the hope I'm talking about. You guys understand what I'm trying to say here? We need to be a people that says circumstances don't dictate the hope that I have. The hope that I have affects my entire essence, my being, my soul, my life. Because of what Jesus did, I can hope always for something better. Is that good? So we're, we're, we're trying to take hold of what this hope is really telling us, what it's all about. And, and the second thing about this hope is who we are and why we got to understand that it's about us is that one of the greatest things we gain from this is that whole picture of that anchor. And it says that hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor of the soul. My hope gives me strength, right? Write that down. My hope gives me, this hope we're talking about gives me strength and confidence and endurance. That means me as a Christian, someone that knows Jesus Christ, is gonna keep on going when others around me quit, is gonna be able to find the way when everybody else says there's no way that that could possibly happen, Carl. No, I'll find a way, because I believe in my God, because good is coming. This hope gives me strength and confidence in the worst situations. Let me read to you this little um, article I read on the internet this past week that I found on the internet, and it's talking about uh, scientific experiments with rats, which I um, often read about. No, but it says, in the 1950s, a scientist named Kurt Richter did a series of experiments that involved putting a bunch of rats in a high-sided bucket of circulating water and timing how long it took the rats to stop swimming, give up, sink, and drown, right? It actually just sounds like a cruel thing that you would do as a little kid, but he calls it a scientific experiment. Let's see how, how long they can live until they die, right? So he puts them in this water and the, the, the rats are swimming and he, he wants to see how long they could swim for until they die. The average rat was only able to swim for 15 minutes. Richter then repeated the experiment. This is interesting. But this time he rescued the rats just after they'd given up swimming at the 15 minute mark. Right before they're about to drown, he pulls them out of the water. After drying the rats off and letting them rest for a few minutes, he threw them back in the bucket of water. Thanks, right? This time, the rats were able to swim for an average of 60 hours before giving up, 240 times longer than the rats who were not rescued first. 
This is weird. Listen to what it says. Richter concluded that the second group of rats were able to swim longer because they were given, here it is, hope. And this hope strengthened their purpose of living. Similar studies showed that rats would give up swimming in a bucket of circulating water after only five minutes if they were kept in a completely dark room. They were scared of the dark and they died earlier, right? But listen to this. If a single ray of light was allowed to shine in the room, the same rats would keep swimming for over three hours or 180 minutes or 36 times longer with that ray of light. Which leads me to an awesome verse I found in Isaiah that says, in, verse, in chapter 50, verse 10, if you're walking in the darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. See, the difference that it made for those rats, 15 minutes of life versus the one that endured was the ones that had tasted hope. The ones that had said, I got rescued last time. There's hope. I think I'm going to be rescued again. I think I can make it out of this if I just keep holding on. 60 hours, 240 times longer. Isn't that cool? And see, that's the difference that hope can make in our lives and the difference that we can make as we offer hope to other people. But we got to realize that that's my anchor. And the author of Hebrews is painting this picture for his audience. Hey, think about a boat. Think about a boat getting tossed around. And I've told you guys a story before how I, I, I paddled out with some guys to surf that far out reef break. And we had just a little dinghy with a rope tied to the boat and the anchor. And after two hours of surfing, we turned around to look for the boat and the boat was gone. And we came paddling in, freaking out to the spot where the, the boat was supposed to be. And all that was left was the anchor was still there and the rope and the piece of the boat that broke off and the rest of the dinghy was floating around. We had to go get it. And so I know what it is to, to feel that feeling. Some of you guys probably know what it is. You're out on the ocean and the waves pick up and the wind picks up and you're freaking out. And maybe you've, you've you know, turned over a boat before or something like that. It's a scary feeling. But here's this picture that Hebrews is saying is that your faith in Jesus Christ and your hope in the good things of God is something to anchor your life no matter what the circumstances. It can give you strength when other people are falling and dying after 15 minutes. You keep swimming. You keep going. And when you're freaking out and it's dark, it's that ray of light that God gives that says, hold on. I got promises for you. Just believe in me. Trust in me. You're going to make it through this situation. So hope gives us strength. And the third thing is this hope that we have is meant to be shared. See, the goal of the hope that we have is that we would overflow with it into the lives of other people. You know, we have that whole campaign that we call Hope in the World, and it's all the things that we do to go out and reach into the community and our mission trips and everything. And we all got the shirts, yeah, that have the hope in the world. Well, that's not just meant to be something just for us. It's the fact that we're going into the world, giving away the ray of light in the darkness where people are at, and we're trying to give other people something to believe in and something to live for. So it's meant to be shared. Look what Paul writes in Romans 15, 13. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, recently I went through some tough times and some hopeless feelings and some blah, 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 right? I went through it. I was in the valley and I was in the dark and there was, there was hopeless stuff and I took my sabbatical and all of that and God pulled me out of it, praise God. And I always had that ray of hope in my life, no matter how bad I was feeling. I always went back to the word of God and I went in prayer to Jesus and it was always enough just to keep me going, keep me going, keep me going, right? And there was a time in the midst of all of that that I said, God, when this is all over and you come through, because I know you will, 
I can barely see that ray of light, but I know you're going to get me through this thing. I said, God, there's going to be a time when I'm going to have the greatest testimony. I'm going to be able to offer hope to so many other people because I've had to go through the times and I've had to find hope in you. And I'm always thinking, man, someday, someday it's going to be good when, I, when this is fully all done. I feel great and confident again. And God goes basically like a, a few weeks ago, he goes, okay, you're ready, do it now. I'm like, what? no, no, I'm just kind of getting back. You know, I'm still swimming a little bit. And God goes, no, you're ready. And he brought someone into my office one day, which was super funny, just kind of said, hey, uh, I, I feel like God's calling me to come and meet with you and talk to you. And I'm like, I, I know you, but I don't know you that well. You don't even go to my church. You're like someone else's sheep. You know, I gotta, I'm the shepherd of these sheep over here. What do you do? Go back to your shepherd, right? But no, I said, okay, well, let's, let's talk. And I didn't know what I had to answer and offer him because I was just kind of coming up out of the, the darkness myself and finding that hope. And I'm like, I don't know if I even have anything. But here's the thing about hope that it's meant to be shared, that God created it in us so that it shares easy, so it's contagious, real easy. And when I thought, I'm not full enough to overflow yet, God, I'm just kind of like getting there. I'm like 75, 80% there. I'll be filled pretty soon, then I can overflow. God says, no, just, just give what you got right now. So this guy came and sat talked to me for a long time and I just kind of shared hey this is all I got you may not seem like a lot I don't know if I got all these answers but here's the one thing I can offer you is just there's hope I found hope and I began to just speak and share stuff and let me tell you this church there's going to be so many times when you do not have the answer you do not have the solution you do not have the wisdom that you're seeking but you know what you do have you have hope to give to that other person and sometimes that's all people need. They don't need to know the answer, just to know that the answer is coming and it will come and there's a God that loves them. And you do something like plain and simple, like speaking hope over people and reading this verse into people's lives, Jeremiah 29, 11. Come on, you know that's a good one, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and what? A hope. See, that's all people need sometimes. It's too many times we make Christianity so hard. I don't have the whole book of Matthew memorized. What am I going to say? I don't worry about it. Just share with them the hope that you found in Jesus Christ. Speak hope into people's lives because it's contagious. More often than not, the person you talk to is going to come back to you in a couple weeks and say, hey, what you spoke to me really excited me, gave me hope again. I was able to share it with my mom. I was able to pass it on to this person or to this person. And you find out that hope is contagious. It's meant to be shared. Is that good? So you see how the difference of this hope that we have, this anchor, which I love that anchor symbol, by the way. I love seeing it all over the place. I love that verse, the strength. I think we need to remind ourselves, Hope Chapel, that that's what we're all about. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to hold our heads high when we walk out of this room today and just go, I do have hope. I can have hope. And I need to give this hope to other people that God is going to do good things on the basis of, I know Jesus Christ. I know where the source of my hope comes from. Let me end with this last story of my kids. I got all kinds of stories with my kids. And uh, a couple years ago, um, I got my kids uh, some gifts from Japan. You know, I travel sometimes and I, I speak and do mission trips or whatever, but about, it was actually about five years ago. Went to Japan and my kids always know I'm going to bring them goodies and snacks and toys and stuff like that from wherever I go. And so I brought my kids stuff. And one of the things I got my son was a little toy that looks like this. We have one right here. Pastor Rob stole one from a kid in the courtyard. But we have the kendama. You guys ever seen one of these before? How many of you guys know this toy? You've seen it around. If you open your eyes in Hawaii, every kid has one. 
It's in their pocket, in their bag. This, they all have this thing. So this is a traditional toy from Japan, right, called the kendama. And I'm not even going to do it because I'm terrible at it. Like, you're supposed to catch this thing. Should I try one time? In Jesus' name. I had no idea that was going to happen. Thank you, Lord. I'm done. Oh, that's amazing. No, that's... You don't need it. (laughs) Okay, so I I got this toy. Not this actual one. I don't know whose that one is, but that's lucky I want to steal it. I don't know whose that is, but... I got this for my son, right? And it's like five years ago. And he's like, oh, cool, dad, what is it? What do you do? And, you know, he's like, he's trying to do it. He can't do it. And literally he plays with it for 10 minutes and it goes whoosh, straight into his closet. I was like, oh, right? He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. But, you know, I'd rather have the strawberry chocolate mochi that you got me. Oh, that's way, way better, you know? And so I'm kind of like, ah, oh, bummer. He doesn't see the value in it, you know? And I didn't really know how to do it. But I thought, yeah, it's something good. So then like a year or so goes by, some friends from Japan come over to Hawaii to visit, right? And one of the guys has the kendama, and he's like pro at it, right? Because he's like OG. He's like legit Japanese guy. He knows all about, he grew up with this thing, right? You know, and never mind the yo-yo, he had done one of those, right? And so he's like, oh yeah, let me see this thing. So he's like, right? And the ball's going all over and doing all the stuff it's supposed to do. And my son's like, oh, hey, what? Wait, wow. Suddenly, like, this thing's got a little bit more credibility, right? Like even dad, well, dad, you, that's kind of cool now, right? So suddenly my, my son's like, you know, level of cool factor in dad is kind of like, oh, dad did get me something good, but still it wasn't enough. Why? Because no one else in Hawaii was playing with this dumb thing, right? It was cool that that guy can do it, but it's not cool if I go to school with this thing, right? And so then a couple years go by and suddenly it's all the rage in Hawaii right now, isn't it? Come on, our kids got them, your grandkids got them. Everybody's got these kendam. They're like outlying from schools, right? Because, no, they're so distracting. It's like, do your mouth, no. Do your mouth, oh, no, 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 kendama addiction, right? So everybody's got the kendamas right now. And so suddenly my son's like, wait a minute. Did, didn't I have one of those things? I'm like, son, I got that for you like four years ago. You better go check your closet. And he goes and he, he pulls it out and he's like, yeah, wow. And it's like, wow, now, now dad's even that much cooler, right? I just keep winning. I'm like, yeah. And so then he's got this thing and then he discovers as he takes it to school and he compares it with his other friends, this is like one of the top two or three popular brands from Japan this thing is the real deal. Suddenly, he's like the cool kid in school, right? I just made him that much cooler. He's got the authentic kendama from Japan, right? And he's super excited, and he's like stoked. And, and this is what you got to see, is that his level of confidence and expectation in what dad can do for him just grew, 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 grew to the point where he actually took it to school, left it on the table. It got stolen, But that didn't shake his resolve in, my dad's cool. He got me some good gifts. I can expect good things from him. Look at the parallels here. This is us, and many times in our lives, God goes, here's your circumstances. You're like, I don't understand. I don't like this. This isn't any good, right? Based on circumstances, it doesn't look good. But based on this trust that you develop from knowing Jesus Christ and your heavenly Father who says, I promise to always do good things in your life. That thing can get stolen or whatever, but you understand that, my God is good, 
And the hope I have says I will receive good things from him. Not might, not maybe, not hopefully. It's the hope I have is a joyful, confident expectation that I'm going to receive good things because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to share that hope that I have with other people. Is that good? And so that's the hope that I want you guys to embrace today. We are putting the hope back in Hope Chapel and we are going to wear it and shine it and we're going to get out there and touch this world with that. Is that good? All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the hope that you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you are a good father that loves to give good gifts to his kids. And Lord, we're blessed every single day that we don't have to wonder and, and, and worry and wish for something good to happen to us. Lord, we know that you're going to do good things for us. We don't know how, we don't know when, but this hope we have that's an anchor for our souls says that you always have something good planned for us all your blessings, the, the, the future of heaven, but all the miracles and blessings of here on earth now, meeting all of our needs, uh, protecting us and providing for us. Lord, we can hold on to that and we can make the world a better place around us as we share that hope that we have in you. I pray that we would, Lord, that you would challenge us to do that, that we would go out there and we'd be contagious. Lord, we're Hope Chapel. We need to start acting like that. We need to start living up to our name that you've called us to. 